Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. So let's give a big welcome to some very uncommon people. Come on. Let's give them a welcome Chris, this is my wife Heidi, this is our oldest son Owen, who a lot of people are really surprised to see how big these guys are getting, this is Eli, and uh, Liam is probably in kids' church, and there's Noah doing art on the front row. <laughs> so um, hopefully art will keep him distracted while, while we're doing this. But um, yeah, what Hunter and Liz said is all true, we love you guys, we love this church. Uh, we found out, do, do you guys want to say I just start talking. I got a lot in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say thank you guys. We feel just so blessed by their love, their hospitality. She's just so amazing at hospitality. Like, I want to be like her. She just has thought of everything and made our room, the presents, and just feels so at home. And when you just get off the plane from where we've come into this, it's just like this warm hug, just through the atmosphere and then through her. And so thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. All right, you guys go out and see. We call our boys young lions, and in Bemba, that, you say that in Kalamavaichi. So everywhere they go, People like, everywhere I go, I show up to speak or to do something and they're just like, it's just you? Where's the Nkalama Abaichi? They're like, they're heroes there because while we're doing church, they're way up in trees higher than anyone else climbs and they're jumping on like monitor lizards and snakes and bringing them in and the kids are all running screaming and I'm like, no, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. But, uh, but they, they really draw a crowd and uh, they're just... They're not just along for the ride with mom and dad. They're a huge part of our ministry. Um, Heidi is just my favorite girl yeah. ever. <laughs> and uh, and it's just, it really is a dream that we get to serve together as a family on the mission field uh, in Zambia, a place that we really love. Um, we, we came back, uh, we're gonna be back for the months of November and December. And, uh, and we, we, we're going to get a break and do some, some family stuff and some Christmas stuff. And we have some ministry work on this side of the ocean to deal with. But we always fly through Atlanta. And I just, I told Hunter, we got to come and see you. We wanted to hang out and, and get the Howards fix. Uh, we just love these guys. But we also wanted to come and just say thank you to Encounter Church. We, we really didn't come to try and ask for more of your money or anything like that. But we wanted to come and say thank you. Uh, because we know this church prays for us. This church has given generously to the ministry where we're serving. And, uh, and I just think that a personal thank you means a lot more than an email. Though, if that's all that works, it's, uh, thank you is good. But please know, as I stand here before you... On behalf of my family, on behalf of our team in Zambia, all the kids that we're serving, we are super grateful 
that a church full of individuals that work hard to earn their money and have other things and distracting things going on in their lives, big things, and um, people to pray for that you would stop and pray for us or give towards us, it, it really does mean a ton. So we are here saying thank you. That said, um, just, just, I love, I love Hunter and Liz, and I'm so grateful that we've gotten to hang with them again. It really is like, like Heidi said, a warm hug. They just, a lot of things change when you get off the plane. You get on the plane in one place and get off the plane here. It was 100 degrees or more when we left, and we landed here at 5 a.m. the other morning. It was like 30 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and then I hear Kanye got saved. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, lot of, a lot of things are going on. That's revival. Uh, and, you know, the last time I was here, it was about a year and a half ago at this church, and I think Hunter had just been on one exploratory trip to Cuba, now, you guys have been six times and you're church planting machines down there. I love what's happening through this body and the worship. I was just taking it in, just sensing God's power. When we were worshiping, I just had to get down low because there was some, there was some authority in the atmosphere. God is so strong. He's so kind. And the, the power is because of his love. Huey Lewis wrote that song, The Power of Love, but he doesn't have a corner on real powerful love. Jesus is, is powerful because of really great love. And, uh, and I just, I felt his presence here. Um, so I'm excited. I, I felt like this word's been on my heart. Uh, since before we came, but I, I wanted to share it with you because it's something God's talking to me about. Um, but like they mentioned, our ministry is called Orchard. We had this vision uh, that we would be part of planting uh, just whether it's churches or people, individuals, just deeply in the word of God, that they wouldn't just be scattered seed that at some point, some random time they would grow. That, that's a good thing, scattering seed. But we wanted to kind of do the long walk of seeing an orchard that would rise up over time and bear lots of fruit, shade lots of people, and mostly, you know, orchard owners get real rich. And we want to make Jesus super rich yes. with a big time harvest of souls. Amen. Yes. Uh, we lived on a pecan orchard in La Mesa, New Mexico, and orchards yield fruit, and orchards bring in some dough, and Jesus deserves the fruit. Uh, of the orchard, and so that's why we went and planted. Zambia has been part of our lives since 2001, when I first went there uh, and started dreaming of moving there. Uh, we did live there for two and a half years, starting in 2014, shifted back to the States, and now we're back planting our own new ministry. Uh, we're connected by the crazy grace of God and his really hilarious um, sense of humor. We're connected to Iris Ministries, who are like, the big boys. <laughs> We're like little kids, and they're the big boys, but they love us, and they, I don't know why, but they welcomed <laughs> us in, and uh, we went to a school that they put on starting in Mozambique uh, last August, uh, and then we all got deported because of some radical violence in that nation, and they moved us to South Africa to finish the school. Um, and now we're connected to Iris Ministries, which has, uh, was started by Heidi and Roland Baker. Uh, they've planted more than 10,000 churches, uh, mainly in Mozambique and Malawi, but all over the world, uh, and just are seeing radical miracles. Uh, unbelievable things are happening, like the Book of Acts, yeah. 
through Iris Ministry. So we're just believing that somehow through this connection, um, we're just going to learn more and be a part of more and believing for more for sure. Yeah. Our, our joy has been stirred up and our belief for what's possible is being stirred up. So if you guys ever want to come uh, and visit us, please feel free. Uh, we would love to have an encounter team. We're hoping that that's going to be a, not just an invitation, but a, a reality. Um, it's a long way to go. It's a brutal flight, but you'll get over it. <laughs> we'll take care of you when you get there. <clears throat> so, so thank you for having us. Um, you got to see a picture of, of a little piece of our ministry. That, that place, Chichele, is one of uh, our kids' churches. And... The work we're doing is kind of two streams. We're trying to equip some bush pastors. Bush means just guys that are way out in the rural communities, far from a town. Uh, we're trying to equip some of those church leaders so that they can have some longevity, be encouraged, even some resources. Many of the bush pastors we know don't even have their own Bible. They're leading a church out in the middle of nowhere with no support and no encouragement and almost no knowledge of how to do this. So we're coming alongside those kind of guys. Uh, and, uh, and then we love kids' ministry. We've been part of kids' ministry since the beginning of our marriage. And before that, for Heidi, her mom's an amazing kids' pastor. And uh, it's just always been part of us. So up until about July of this year, we had two children's churches. We had one in a place called Kawama and one in a place called Chifubu, which means many hippos. Uh, and, uh, and so these, we're just equipping these leaders weekly, meeting with them, helping write some curriculum that kind of sparks their own uh, creative ideas and gets them engaged, um, just bringing kids through a discipleship process. And then something happened in July, and it felt like a lid just came off. And, uh, and all these leaders just that we've known and some we haven't known just started kind of coming out of the woodwork, and it felt like God was bringing a team and we started doing these, these equipping trainings. And since July, we opened four more children's churches. We, we have six kids' churches now that are ministering to more than 300 kids every Saturday. And it's, yeah, praise God, it's unbelievable. It's definitely not because of us. We're not even at, you can't be in six places at one time. It would be nice, but you can't. But we're loving that it's happening through our Zambian national partners. It's really exciting to see them just stepping up. Um, it's also really cool to see some of the communities where these things have been planted because the needs are incredible. You saw some of them. A couple of them are in way more urban settings where the challenges are, are different than what you saw on the screen, but still intense. Um, and we, it just all got me thinking about the harvest. And so... Um, if you will turn to John 4, uh, verse 35 and 36, I'm going to start there. We're using the Passion Translation. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps the souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. Amen. I love the word of God. Yes. The harvest is ready. Come on. And sometimes we can get caught up in our working and striving and kind of want to force the harvest. But the truth is, it really just takes looking up 
Yeah. It takes a sensitivity and just like seeing people. We looked up and there were people who were hungry to bless kids. They just needed like a little prodding along the way. And suddenly these church plants started popping up. And now people are calling and saying, you have six kids churches. How are you doing kids ministry? How do you do that? Um, we don't have the money to build a church. And we're like, good news. We meet on, under mango trees. You don't need to build a church. Yes. But we can help you build yourself and, and build a love for, for kids. We can help you understand what Jesus believes about kids. Yes. Because that's one of the hurdles we're facing is kids are just kind of in the way. Uh, culturally and in church, uh, kids are ignored. Uh, and it's kind of silly because half of Zambia... 50% of the nation is under the age of 15. So the harvest is ready. And anywhere you go, anywhere our truck shows up, we can have a big kids' church, like on the spot. They're, they're there, and they're ready and open to receive. It's just like with like a bird, baby bird wanting to be fed, just the mouth wide open, like, bring it, feed me. That's everywhere we go. The harvest is ready. And I just was like, wow. I've been I've been kind of lulled into believing I gotta I gotta like just create for the harvest and I've been kind of tricked into feeling like well the harvest is gonna take care of itself and it's not no. Jesus is telling his disciples look up first of all but but this stuff it's not gonna harvest itself try itself the harvest you gotta engage you gotta get out into it and I just have been thinking about that quite a lot I was just thinking that. You know, when Hunter told me you guys are, are working on a, a sermon series called Uncommon, I just thought, what if, what if encounter, what if we all were a people that lived uncommon lives because we were so aware of God's heart for the harvest? It would be uncommon to be that engaged in the harvest in our daily lives. And it doesn't, it, it certainly is not just harvest happening in Zambia. There's a harvest right here. Yes. There's harvest fields ready and ripe and hearts are soft all around us. And it's uncommon to take notice. Yes, it is. And it's uncommon to engage. It's uncommon to take steps of boldness and, and to walk in great faith, to share. I told a story just recently. Heidi's dad, um, it, it's a tricky relationship. We, he's my, he's my father-in-law. He's my pastor. For 15 years, he was my boss. And he's the grandpa to my kids. And even young, like, you know, he's an amazing preacher. When I was a little boy, he took me and Heidi's older brother to this discipleship course. I signed up for it. I think I was in fifth grade. <laughs> and he took us to Pizza Hut, which is why I signed up. <laughs> and then we get in there, and I thought there's going to be lots of kids. And it's just me and Jason on one side and Pastor Dave on the other side. And... You know, we had to do some lessons and stuff. And then one day they released us into the mall to go and witness and share our faith. And I always have stuff to say. I, 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 don't, I don't know strangers. Like, I'm cool with talking to people and I like that. But I froze right up. I could not share my faith. And, uh, and I was like that for a long time. And thankfully... God healed me, but <laughs> made me bold, whatever it, whatever it took. But it's not an easy thing. For a lot of people, it's not an easy thing to, to share your testimony and to engage in the harvest. But to know that the harvest is ready, that people's hearts are soft right now, that's a huge step. It is. Just understanding that people, 
People have needs. They're walking around all around us with just heartbreak. They need some healing. Maybe they're friendless and they need a friend. Maybe they just need an encouragement, but mostly they need Jesus. Yeah. And those of us who've tasted and seen how good he is, if we haven't tasted enough to know he's so unbelievably good that we better tell everybody about it, we better go back for another taste. Right. Because the yes. truth yes. is, yes. He's, he tastes good. Yes, <laughs> He's so kind, so loving. Just the way we were singing, I was just like that thankful song. I've never heard that before, but just... As this place was like erupting in thankfulness, I was just thinking of 150,000 things I'm so grateful yes. for. Like his, his protection and his provision and his, his bravery to go to the cross on my behalf and to just take the wounds that were aimed at me. He's so good. So understanding that is uncommon. That's a huge step. And there is a hunger rising. There, there are hearts ready for more Jesus. And a lot of people that we meet, they don't know it's Jesus that's going to meet the need. But we get the unbelievable honor, just like this verse said. There's great celebratory joy for those who get in the harvest. We get to step into someone's story and tell them about Jesus. It's not because I'm special. It's because Jesus is special. Yes. But I'm present. So really, all you got to do is show up. And today you're here. We're present together. That's half the battle. Maybe there's someone sitting on your row that you can just be like, I don't know what else to do, but God just told me to this book. It's a start. So uncommon people notice that there is a harvest, and the harvest is right. Um, I just was thinking about what, what kind of an uncommon life looks like versus a life that, that might be just living common. Uh, one of the things like Jesus tells his disciples, look up. Uncommon people are alert. And I think people who are common yeah. are a little bit lulled to sleep. Yeah. Maybe they're comfortable. Yeah. And uncommon people step out beyond comfort. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that because we live in Africa. There's a lot of people ministering that live in harder situations than I do. Yeah, there's a lot of hard things about where we live, but there's a lot of hard things about where all of us live. There's a lot of hard things about American culture. There's a lot of hurdles and challenges in people's lives. Wherever you are, college campuses. I can't even imagine doing ministry on a college campus. That's that's uncommon. <laughs> but I think that that the common thing is to kind of get distracted yeah. off the track, mm -hmm. and and suddenly you're not. It's just one of those tricks of the enemy that you get a little distracted, and then you're not really fully functioning in all that God has for you. Um, I think that. Uncommon people realize that now, right now is the time, and they learn to seize moments. Uh, uncommon people seize moments. Those who are living in a common way are making assumptions. Maybe I'm assuming that someone else is going to take care of it. Maybe I'm assuming that that heart's not ready. I'm just going to let God soften them to the point where they come to me, and then I'll pray for them. Uncommon people get in the battle. They put the boots on and go to the battle. They don't wait for the battle to come to them. And they don't let themselves procrastinate. They, they take offense. Yeah. Yes. Because let me tell you, we are in a battle. All of us, whether we know it or not, or feel it daily or not, there is a battle going on. And if I just stood up here and told you a hundred stories of the kids and young men that we're working with, you would realize, holy cow, it's not fair. 
how the devil goes after these lives. It's not fair. They're too little. The stuff they've experienced, the stuff they've seen, the stuff that's been done to them, what they've been through, what they think is normal, it's not fair. And that is battle. And if I just sit back and say, well, when those guys are ready, they'll come to me, and then I'll, I'll try and share the blessing I've received. I mean, I don't want to be rude, but that's a punk move. And so if you're, if you're waiting, I'm not calling you a punk. <laughs> but maybe, maybe think, have I been a little bit of a punk? <laughs> no, I'm saying I've been guilty of that before. And I don't want to be guilty of that anymore. I want to get those boots on and get in the game. I, we, we have to take offense at what the devil's doing to our, our friends and loved ones and even strangers. That's uncommon. Uncommon people engage with boldness. They, they follow promptings. They take risks. Uh, the common just settle for comfort. They're worried about image and reputation. Does that sound like America? <laughs> A lot of us are worried about how we look. I've been there. Worried about what people might think. And worried about safety. These things just lock us up. But uncommon people step out beyond that. They engage. And let me just tell you a quick story. Um, this year, I trained for and ran a marathon in Victoria Falls, Zambia. And it was not your, yeah, it was hard work. But it was really fun. It was not your run-of-the-mill marathon run. At one point, we're running through a game park, and I start hearing AK-47 rounds. And people that are, like, have already looped this loop and coming past, they're like, watch out, there's elephants. And we're just, like, on a run, and there's a young bull elephant, like, trying to charge the road, and his... his ears are flapping and he's making his elephant noise and so the game rangers were just standing there like no big deal just shooting just to keep him off the road so that's the marathon i run it was it, i ran it was amazing i'll never forget it i didn't stop running in fact i kind of like picked up the pace a tiny bit. but uh but as i was training for this run you know where we live Ministry kind of never stops. People are, are at our house. People are at our gate. When I'm in town, people know our car. They know we're softies for some need. Ones that need love come running wherever we are. Pasta Chris, Pasta Mama, They're just, the, the need is great. And people are near us a lot. So when I'm, when I'm running, it's kind of like my, my me time. I put on a podcast and I just go and I don't want to talk. And one day I was running. Before this run, I had heard a, a couple weeks before about these two twins, uh, James and John. We call them the Sons of Thunder. Not just because they're named James and John, but they are troublemaking boys. And they got in trouble. One of them was stealing a car engine and it got caught and, uh, and went to jail. And they're 18 years old. The other brother, just because he's an identical twin, was kind of on the run because he thought they're going to think maybe they didn't get the right one. They're going to come get me. So we hadn't heard from them in a while. And I'm running and I bump into James, one of the twins. And I see him and I'm like, God, I have to stop and have this conversation. But I'm just, this is me time. I'm running. So I stopped and I started talking to James. And I just felt like God said, Daddy, kind of like tough love right now. Bring it down a a little stern. And I just said, James, just like I would tell one of my boys, you're on a path 
and you're running with dangerous people, and sometimes changing course takes one decision, and I'm gonna give you an option right now, and it's on you because you're a big boy. But if you'll make one decision and come to church, meet me right here tomorrow, I'll bring you to church. I believe God wants to start turning your life around. And it's going to take some work but because you've done some stuff. But I believe one decision might start, start changing course. And I, I, I could tell James was kind of half listening and kind of weirded out that a sweaty guy was telling him all this stuff. But I went and finished my run. And the next morning, I was fully expecting James not to be there. James was there. Wow. And James has not missed a Sunday. <laughs> it's crazy. If you just knew what a troublemaker this guy is, he is just, he finds trouble. And he is, he is with us every week at church. So we, we, we just, I didn't know, but I looked up. All I had to do was look up. I could have put my head down and like waved and good to see you, pal. Give him a quick hug. Be on my way because I have something to do. And so many times in my life, I've just missed opportunities because I had something to do. But I stopped, I looked up, and James locked in. And, and about a month ago, James accepted Jesus. Wow. And he did. And on, on Zambia's Independence Day, James, I got to baptize James. Oh, wow. On Independence Day, freedom. We put him in the water one way, and he came out bold and like another way. So look up. Now is the time. Engage. As I was thinking about this verse, um, I started reading the rest of the chapter. I just wanted to just know more context. And, and I realized this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We used to write kids' lessons, and I, it was one of our favorite kids' lessons to take with us on the road. This woman at the well, uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, which is a strange one to... It's your favorite to do kids' ministry. She's a woman caught in adultery. But, but what, what I love about it is how, how gentle Jesus is with her. And, uh, and that's what we used to focus on, just how Jesus deals gently with us. We used to bust out the feathers and do like feather races and tickle fights and stuff. And that's, that's good kids' ministry stuff. But, um, but I just read, read through this, and I felt like I was supposed to read it to us today. Because one encounter can change everything. So one encounter can get you in the fight again. And, and understanding Jesus is gentle means you don't have to feel terrible about the times you missed it. But today's a new start. Uh, one thing that one of my favorite preachers, he's been here before, surprise, he told him, he says, don't over-logicalize Jesus and the way he works. And there's two instances. Why don't I just read this really quick? I promise I'm not going to go too much longer. Um, let me just read... John 4, starting at 1. Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized, even than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but had his disciples baptize the people. Jesus heard that what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaritan territory. He arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by the journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for it, and I'd give you living water. This is one of those logicalized moments. Listen to this. The woman replied, uh, but sir, 
You don't even have a bucket, and this well is very deep, so where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? Let me pause here real quick. She's like, he's saying, I have water to give, and she's like, you didn't bring a bucket. <laughs> very literal. I've been in that place. But Jesus is like operating on another plane. And what's possible for him is different than maybe what's possible in our physical world. But I've seen some stuff that makes me believe that that stuff's possible. He's saying there's living water available and I can give it to you. And it will, you'll never be thirsty again once I give it. And I don't even need a bucket. <laughs> so if, if one of the things that's maybe stopping your engagement in the harvest is you just maybe feel ill-equipped. You don't have a bucket. Well... Don't over-logicalize. Yes. Get in the game. Step out and get, get some faith in you and see what Jesus does to meet you there. And he'll do something radical. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding in you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water. <laughs> She's wise. <laughs> I'll have what he's having. <laughs> let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. <laughs> okay, but I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times. And now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Yes. Jesus gets right to the heart. Yeah. Jesus is not worried about, like I said earlier, you don't have to have a building to have church. You can do it under a mango tree. Yeah. You don't have to have a set appointment to meet with someone and pray for their life to be changed. Just do it right where you're standing. Right. Do it in your office cubicle. And when you get fired for it, don't tell them Chris told you to do it. <laughs> but right where you're at. Someone from Zambia is trying to call me while I'm reading God's word. <laughs> Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, hallelujah, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. I'm almost done. Five more verses. The woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I'm the one you're looking for. That's such a harvest part of this verse. Because Jesus is here. For a long time he wasn't and the harvest wasn't ready. Jesus hadn't been made revealed to everyone. But right here he's walking around. And today, he's present. The harvest is ready because Jesus is here. That's right. There's a gift available to everyone. They just haven't taken it yet. Maybe they don't know he's here. Maybe someone here didn't know what's available. Today, we're going to pray for you. And you're going to get to receive a gift that keeps on giving. At that moment, the disciples returned. And here's another funny, they are over-logicalizing. 
And they were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus. Then the disciples began to insist Jesus eat some food that they brought. Teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, Don't worry, I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled, they began to ask, Who brought him food? Did someone bring you food? Where did he get this meal? My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. Wow. And then the crowds emerged, and that's the part we read earlier. I love that story because one encounter with Jesus changes you, and then it propels you. That's He's right. so good, you can't keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. When I asked Heidi to marry me and she said yes, I was blowing up people's phones. <laughs> she said it was too good, the news was too good to just keep to myself. When, when we know how good Jesus is, we can't keep it to ourselves. And, and we're propelled to go further. We can't over-logicalize because the way he works is different than what's, right. what we've known maybe or the way we work. Those who are thirsty might surprise you. And this I love because those disciples were like, she's a Samaritan woman, he's a Jew, this shouldn't be happening. Even she's like, why are you talking to me? But those who, he knew her heart. She was thirsty. She was on her fifth marriage and she was tired. How many of you know that would probably wear you down? <laughs> Jesus knows the heart. And let me tell you, when James got baptized, we started a group for guys like James who had kind of just disappeared into drugs and alcohol. Some of them were crossing over into the Congo, uh, just smuggling goods for money. Some of them were in jail. Some of our young kids from the first time we were there in Zambia. And all these boys were getting in a lot of trouble. So we started a group called Young Lions. And uh, we were kind of doing hard things together, like running, running long distances, but just learning from young lions in the word. And three of the other young lions got saved wow. in the wow. same kind of time frame that James did. And then, no, four, yeah, four total, and then three were baptized. And when I baptized them on Independence Day, I put my hand on their hearts, and we were just praying for them, praying over them. And then we were putting them underwater. But as my hand was on their hearts, it was just like, I, I just started welling up like I couldn't keep it in. I just, it was like God was just saying, feel that heartbeat. That's my heartbeat. Wow. Now they know who put that heartbeat there. Oh, wow. And now they're going to live different because they know the one who pumps that blood through their body. And I was just like, God, I, I didn't even know James was ready. I didn't even know these wild boys. These are wild boys. One of them's taller than me, and you just never know what he's thinking. He's so quiet. We started praying for him a couple weeks ago. He just started weeping. And I asked him, what's going on? He said, I don't know. There's stuff going on. Jesus gets right to the heart. And that's happening with people in this room. That's happening with people all outside this room, driving down these roads. That's happening at your place of business, where you go to school. It's happening with family members. Jesus wants to get right to the heart and link heartbeats yes. with his heartbeat. Yes. And he wants you to help him do it. I love that the lady dropped her water jar. This is, this is another get into the harvest moment. She just dropped. She realizes I got some priorities and suddenly Jesus gave me a new priority and that trumps other priorities. She dropped what she was doing and she ran to town. And it was because of her testimony in town that the harvest talk came yeah. because Jesus said hey guys look out there 
Here they come. Look at all the people. You're telling me, let's wait four months till the harvest is ready. The rain hasn't been just right. And the, everything's not set up just right. Look, they're coming over that hill. They were hungry. There were hungry people coming. And it was because she was willing to drop something. Sometimes some of us need to drop something and get into the harvest. Sometimes we've got to leave some stuff behind. Reprioritize our lives. And when we do that, I promise it's not going to feel like we lost anything. I promise that lady didn't go back and be like, I wish I hadn't shattered that clay pot. <laughs> she, she was a missionary, one of the early missionaries, and her village, I don't know how many of them accepted Christ that moment, but her village came to know truth that moment. They met Jesus because of her. And I guarantee that was more fulfilling than anything that pot could carry. Yeah. It's the same for us. Lay some stuff down. And then there was a multiplied harvest. When we have an encounter with Jesus, a multiplied harvest could be possible. That's right. I'll tell you one more quick story from Zambia, and then we'll get to the, the close here. I was with one of our Zambian sons named Jack. And uh, Jack is an evangelist. Um, he's just growing into a lot of leadership. And we were waiting for some guys that were late to meet us for an outreach. Nothing happens on time in Zambia. It's just so weird to like get on planes that leave on time. And everyone hurry up and buckle and get your stuff stored so we can leave on time. And we're like, this isn't this is not our testimony. <laughs> so we're waiting at this place called Pick and Pay. It's a little shopping center there in Zambia. And uh, Jack sees a couple ladies sleeping right by the side of the road. And he says, I'm gonna go talk to them and see why they're sleeping there. And I said, Alright, you should go. Uh, I'll wait here because I don't want to startle them and, you know, just two guys walking up. What are you doing sleeping on the road? I'll just let you do it in Bemba and then let me know what's happening. So he goes and then he calls me over. And, uh, and we start talking to these ladies. They had come in from the bush, like deep in the bush, to buy bread and take and sell in their local, local market. But the bread delivery was late. And so they were just asleep because they had walked all night to get there. And we started talking to them and one of them was just like, mad. She was carrying some heavy stuff. And so we just started telling her about Jesus. And as we did, she just started to soften and, and Jack asked her, would you like to accept Jesus? He wants to bring peace to your heart. And she said, yeah, they both wanted to pray. So we knelt with them right there and uh, we closed our eyes and we were praying with two people to receive Jesus on the side of the road. And when I opened my eyes, there were four people there. <laughs> they weren't like just miraculously <laughs> but we asked him, where did you come from? And one of them was one of them had been totally drunk and he was just like <laughs> he was feeling it more than anybody. <laughs> so they had seen us praying from across the street, and while my eyes were closed, they came over and they wanted to pray too. I didn't even ask them. They were ready. A multiplied harvest is it's it's like time right now. There's double what you think is going on. That's right. Yes. It's just happening all around us. And we didn't have to we didn't have to do any work to make those guys want it. We just had to show up. We started praying with someone else and they wanted what we were given. I love how Jesus did that. But let me tell you another part of that story, and then I'm done. I had been cut off in traffic for the last time. I was I was mad when we got to pick and pay. And then I was mad that my guys were late. 
because I'm trying to shift that in the culture where we operate and show up on time and teach my team when I ask you to come on time, we need to meet on time because people are depending on us. And now I was the late one and I'm just like grumbling a little bit. And then I can't remember what happened. Someone was really treating someone else really bad. I can't remember. Like just this ugly interaction happened right in front of me and it just ticked me off. And I was like, I was ready to throw some blows. And I get that way, but that's why God gave me Heidi. Um, but Heidi wasn't there, so there was going to be trouble. So I'm mad. And so we are in the parking lot praying for these ladies, right on the curb, busy street, curb, and then parking. And there's about a thousand parking spaces available. Because it's, a, it's like a national holiday. And I'm on both knees praying with the lady's hand in my hands. And a guy pulls in right here and almost touches my leg with his vehicle. Right in the middle of the road. This diesel engine in my face. And I'm trying to pray. So I stood up. And I'm like. Get When I get mad, I wish I was like Liz and the Spanish people come out. But I did I was mad. And I told him, dude, there's a ton of parking spaces, a million. Go go park somewhere else. Why? You didn't see me? He said, I saw you. But all of them are available. I'll take the one I want. And I'm like, oh. Now it's on. <laughs> and so I'm like walking over there. I can, you know how you can feel when you're about ready to. <laughs> and I, I walked over there and I was just staring at him. And we hadn't started praying. We were just kind of like leading them towards what we were going to do. And I realized I'm about to punch a guy. And ladies are asking to be saved right here what's that going to do to our testimony it is probably going to end the whole thing we're not going to be able to have church like we wanted because i punched a guy and he's probably bigger than me he's sitting down i can't tell right now i'll get one good one in and then he gets out and i'm in big trouble and i just realized i better just stop and humble myself and let him park where he wants to park and let him be Punk. And I, I promise, I don't always, I don't always choose the higher road. I don't go around punching people. I don't always choose the high road. My attitudes stink sometimes. But this time, I decided, I know this is a holy moment, and I'm going to have to turn my back on some stuff and let him be what he's going to be. And I did, and we led those ladies into that prayer. And I just felt like God was just reminding me the enemy knew what was going to happen right there, and he. He parked that car there. He was just trying to get you distracted enough to miss a moment. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to distract us. There are prayers to be prayed. There are encouraging hugs to be given. There's stuff to, that, that doesn't happen because we just get distracted enough. to The, the fleeting moment passes and the window closes. And I, I was just like, God, thank you that today I didn't blow it. But God, I've blown it. Let me get better at that. Let me just not get distracted by whatever it is. And let me get in those moments with you. Jesus, help me be more like you. Uncommon, Jesus, uncommon people give Jesus what he wants. Yes. When, uh, when the lady at the well was willing to humble herself and run and tell the village, she was probably already an outcast because of her history. She just hung out with a Jewish guy, which is a cultural no-no, but she ran into town. 
and she told people, she had to humble herself. To see an uncommon multiplied harvest, we have to humble ourselves. Yeah. And cross-cultural living is a daily college course in humbling yourself. We're cultural outsiders. There's, there's cultural nuances and truths that are unspoken that we don't know. There's a price that's different for, for people who are not from around here. Everything, there's just, it is, we have to daily just say, we're here for you, Jesus. We're here for you. We can't get mad at the culture because we don't understand it. We can't get mad because things operate in a way that we don't understand. We're here for you, Jesus. It's humbling, humbling, humbling. The humble are going to see the greatest victories. And the multiplied harvest. She humbled herself when the town came running. What if we humble ourselves? Maybe two people get prayed for, but then I opened my eyes and it was four. God gave us two extra victories because of the pump with the diesel engine. Because I turned my back on him. Jesus deserves and wants surrendered lives. He also wants other worshipers. And the deal is we get the joy. Like when I was touching those hearts, I got to like be part of the joy. It's not just some future joy when we die and go to heaven. That's there. But there's joy in like living in the fight. There's joy in getting in people's story. He wants you to be part of that celebration. So why don't we stand together? And uh, as we were praying about the ministry time here, I felt like there was a couple, couple directions this could go. One, Jesus, Jesus told the woman at the well that there was a never-ending gushing fountain of life. And I just was thinking, if there's someone in here who's never said, Jesus, I'm yours, you're mine, come and be Lord. We want to pray for you this morning. And we want you to have an opportunity to meet Jesus and to give your life over to him because he's worthy. And if that's you, we want you to take the bold step to come forward and we're going we're gonna to join with you in prayer. <laughs> Um, I also felt like God wanted to take the lid off of our expectations. So we just stop logicalizing things, but we just start believing there's higher things possible. And if you've just been like, just like locked in, just low beliefs, even about yourself, maybe it's lies the enemies whispered into your ear and you believed it, you took the bait. Jesus wants to just uproot that stuff today and just show you there's a new possibility. There's new things possible. And then just to just to shed distraction, shed comfort, shed things that would keep us out of the fire. So I'm going to pray, and if any of those are you or you need ministry in any other way, we're going to take some time up front here. The leadership team is going to come. We're going to just put hands on people. We're just going to ask God to just minister to your heart. But let him, and take the bold step, get in the fight. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, you are so loving, so kind, so worthy, and we desperately need you today. We love you so much. Thank you for dealing with us gently. But God, thank you also for reminding us the harvest is ready. It's all around us. Help us to be more bold, Jesus. Help us to live after you, Jesus, and for you. And God, let us see ourselves how you see us. We don't deserve to be on your team. We don't deserve to be 
extending your kingdom, but you see us different than we see ourselves. Just break away lies right now. Break away untruths right now. Break away labels right now. And let us just walk into a new reality of who we are because of who is in us and who bought us, saved us, loved us. God, let us see the harvest. Open our eyes. I pray in this room that there would just be eyes open like the scales off right now. In the name of Jesus, that we would just take opportunities to pray for people. Even when we look foolish, even, even when it feels too risky, let us go for it. And let us be a people, a generation that sees radical things happening for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.